0: Good morning, everybody. My name is Jenny. I'm the interim lead pastor here at Emanuel, and it is really, really good to be with you this morning. If, uh, yeah, kids, see you later. (laughs) That's the best laugh I'll get all morning, probably. Um, Thank you all for being here. Um, If you are a member or if you are on our weekly reader um, email list, you got an email from us yesterday about an update in the life of the church. And we're going to have uh, Eric Trum, who's our uh, senior warden of our vestry, come up and read that letter to you that went out yesterday. Uh, senior warden of a vestry is a lot of Anglican words, so I'll translate for you. That is, um, he is the leader of our governing board as a church. And so, so he's going to read that letter to you, and then I'll come back and, and say a few things.
1: Thanks, Jenny. The following is a letter from our uh, seven-person vestry, our leadership team here at the church, and our bishop, Trevor Walters. We are deeply saddened to announce the resignation of our lead pastor, Matthew Brown. After a thorough discernment process, Matthews felt a call to prioritize time and attention on his family in a way that being the lead pastor at Emmanuel would simply not allow. Within the next week, you can expect a letter from Matthew sharing in his own words the story that God has been writing in, uh, uh, that God has been writing in him and his family this past year, and more recently during his period of leave, leading up to this decision made earlier this week. Along with this letter, Matthew will be with us at Emmanuel for a final Sunday service as our lead pastor on October 2nd to preach and say goodbye to the church. so definitely mark your calendars. We as the broader leadership team of Emmanuel, while grieved deeply by the loss of Matthew's presence and leadership, are unified in our understanding and support of Matthew's decision to leave church ministry, to give his family the support and presence they need in this season. Matthew leaves with a great love for Emmanuel, his brothers and sisters on staff, and this entire church. He carries with him the love, deep gratitude, and companionship of the rest of our senior leadership team staff, and the entire vestry. The conversations we've had this week have been bittersweet and tender reminders of God's great kindness to us in our relationship with Matthew and his family over the past four and a half years. We understand that many of you will hear this news and be shocked, saddened, confused, among many other emotions. You may also have questions or concerns about the context of Matthew's decision, and I also want to recognize that some of you um, May have never had the great fortune of even meeting Matthew if you've only started uh, coming to Emmanuel recently. So, we do just again to encourage you please mark your calendars for October 2nd for Matthew's final service as Emmanuel's lead pastor. I just want to recognize there's much to do and many plans to share in the coming weeks, but for now, we want to leave space to grieve the fact that Matthew isn't coming back after a season of hoping and praying for that. But also, more importantly, to remember the great blessing of Matthew's leadership, vision, and friendship in these formative years of our church, and to cling to the hope that the cornerstone of Emmanuel is not an individual or specific team of people, but Christ himself. Thank you.
0: So, um, we're going to take some time this morning to just, like, talk talk about this, talk through it, um, and, and just be together in light of this news. Uh, but first, I would like for all of us to to hear from Jesus this morning, because... That is a good and right thing to do at church. So um, we're going to be in John chapter 15 this morning, starting in verse 8. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing but I have called you friends because I I have made known to you everything that I heard from my Father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. I'm giving you these commands so that you may love one another. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I want to just say a few things. I want to... Um, acknowledge sort of the makeup of the room right now, and then also um, give some backstory to kind of how we got here um, in in the life of of our church, and then just offer to you some a few pastoral words um, from like my heart to yours. Um, the first is that <clears throat> we have two very different kind of types of people in this room; those of us who have known Matthew for a while and um, have loved him and uh, been with him at this church, been his friend, um, and this is like a deeply grieving thing. And there are also a lot of us for whom you may not know Matthew at all. Um, you may have started coming to this church within the last six months-ish, um, and and uh, and so this, this is like what you see before you is like kind of who Emmanuel has been for you. And I just want to say to that second group of people, I am really grateful that you're here today. And, um, and this may be like a sort of strange moment, you know, um, especially if this is your first Sunday, I am so sorry. <laughs> um, it only goes up from here. Um, so thank you for being with us. But just to say that like sitting with people in their grief um, so if this is not like a grieving thing for you, if you didn't know him, you know, um, sitting with people in their grief is like the work of Jesus. And so you have a place here in this room today, even if you never never really knew Matthew. Um, there's, there's a book um, by a man who lost his son who writes about um, what it looks like to grieve together, and it's... He says, come sit on my morning bench with me. And um, that's what we get to do together today, this morning, is, is sit together and, um, and think about these things together. So thank you for being here. I want to give you some backstory <clears throat> to kind of how we got here as a church, um, but also the kind of the story of Matthew. Um, so we've been under, like, we've gone through three huge, incredible shifts as a church over the last several years. The first being what we all have gone through, which is the global pandemic. Um, Things basically shifted overnight multiple times. The way that we do church, we had to respond very quickly. Um, I don't know if you all were here for that, but we were like out in the atrium uh, recording worship services out there in between the gym classes that were happening next door that were like they were blasting Beyonce like in between our worship services that we were recording. It was a wild time. So we did that. We moved out to Parking Lot Church. At some point we moved back in here with masks and now here we all, you know, I mean it's just been like an ongoing process. It's been really exhausting and difficult and like really an honor to do with you all and for you all. But it's changed the world and in ways that we're still learning about and reckoning with and figuring out how to do church in the midst of. And then um, last year in, in May, <coughs> we graduated uh, from a church called Trinity, Trinity Westside. And um, this was, uh, a, a, we were planted out of Trinity and we're, we were called Trinity. We were like sort of one church in two locations. And that was our uh, way that we did life together for many years and then... Um, we kind of came to a decision as, as a staff, um, the larger staff of Trinity, that there was um, a really good moment to, like, be blessed and sent into the world, and um, Trinity's going to continue doing this with their parish model to, like, plant a parish and be one with them for a few years and then sort of launch them into the world, and that happened for us in May of last year in ways that, again, we are still sort of reckoning with. And figuring out what it means for us. New things are coming around all the time of things that we didn't realize would change for us and would shift. And we're still figuring all of that out. And then lastly is Matthew's leave. Um, In August of 2021, so if you're doing the math in your head, that's three months after we graduated. Um, Matthew went on his first round of leave due to a uh, medical crisis with someone in his family. And so we sort of went through those two months together just seeing what was happening and waiting it out, and, um, and then he was able to return after that. And that was when what kind of happened on staff and in, in with our vestry as we kind of went into this season together um, that we knew was going to be really difficult. Um, his family situation had not changed. It just felt like it was time to come back. Um, and so that was really difficult to be juggling what was going on at home and this very new, like, baby church that we were trying to figure out how to lead well. And, um, and we did it like baby deer for, for a long time, uh, kind of stumbling around, but still like God was so good and we were really happy with, with what was, was happening here. And then for him personally, things kind of came to a head around um, Lent of last year. So if you were with us, you might remember, we, we announced that he'd be going on a short leave a few weeks. He so would be back with, here with us on Easter to celebrate the resurrection with us. And it was clear during that time um, that maybe a longer leave was was necessary. And it wasn't until he was able to like take a breath that we realized, like oh, this may need to be a longer thing. So we contacted our bishop. His name is Bishop Trevor. He was um, working with our diocese for a season while our, um, our bishop, Bishop Todd, was out on sabbatical. And he, it was like weird, perfect timing. He was just the absolute right person for the job. Um, and he is a like bishop and a professional mediator. He works with organizations that are undergoing stress and separation, and helps to bring people back together. So um, he was just the perfect person for the job. So we um, we called him um, at the last service. I said he caught wind of what was going on, but we called him and um, and said, "Hey, here's our situation, and we would love your advice and wisdom on this." And um, and he, he responded as someone who, has, uh, who also was in ministry for a long time with us, a spouse who had chronic illness um, and eventually passed away while he was in ministry, and he knew it was the right time for Matthew to step away for a longer amount of time. And that's when we announced to you that it was going to, rather than a few weeks, be six-plus months. Um, so then Matthew took that time. He took that time off. He went home to be with his family. He rested. He rested. Um, he did all the good things that you do during a time like that. He, he worked really hard to come to a place of, of peace and rest and really just was like with his family in a way that he hasn't been able to be, maybe, maybe in forever um, when you're in ministry and it's just really hard. And um, so it did what it was supposed to do. It was a really good thing. And then we told you a couple weeks back that we would be starting um, a process to sort of like reintegrate him back into the church because under the wisdom of Bishop Trevor, that's just what happens when you kind of separate for a long time and you bring someone back in. It's almost like bringing in a new person onto staff. So we began these conversations as a staff and with a few members of our vestry as well. And it became clear pretty quickly that where our church is and where we need to go and where Matthew's family is and where they need to go um, was not sort of compatible with one another anymore. And um, we always knew that was a possibility, but really didn't think that we thought we could work it out, you know. Um, we thought that there would, there would always be a way. And watching Matthew um, process this and make the decision to move toward his family um, has been one of the, like, great honors of my life. And, um, and just doing this whole process together in, in peace and love and reconciliation with him and with, with us as a staff and a vestry has just been, um, yeah, an incredible honor. And so um, he took the, a weekend, last weekend, to, to think and pray and talk with some trusted people and came back knowing the right decision. And so we all cried together and uh, prayed together and knew it was the right thing. Um, look at the babies in the back here. I just, hello all you. <laughs> You're doing a great job. Um, anyways, knew that it, knew that it was a good thing, um and, and, um, and so I'm here now to share the news with you all. I'm excited, I'm excited for you to hear from him in the coming weeks, too. So a few things about this, very true things that I want you to know. The first is that we as a staff and a leadership team and a governing board, Vestry, are really saddened by this news, um. I've cried a lot this week. It's probably not shocking to you all. You hear me preach most, most Sundays. Um, but, like, the day it happened, I had to go pick up my kid from school, and her teachers were like, are you okay? And I was like, don't look at me. Um, it's been a tough time. Um, so I'm saddened. Um, but also, like, a lot of the emotions and tears for me have been um, a, a pride for him and over him and um, his boldness in making this decision. It is, like, one of the hardest things I think you can do is to step away from your dream job for the sake of your family, for the sake of the people you love. And and he made that choice, and it was his joy to do so. Um, it was not a thing that where there's any resentment towards his family, only love and joy and gratefulness. So, um, yeah, I think that this, this process, this decision, watching him come to this place has been like, oh, this is the guy I always knew he was, you know, a really good dad, a really good man. Secondly, um, there are no Goliaths in this story, and therefore there are no Davids. That is how one of our vestry members put it this week, and I just, there's no better, better way to say it. Um, what I mean by that is there's no, like, secret evil people in this situation, and also no, like, secret martyrs. Uh, There are just friends who came together to do the work of the church, and one of us ultimately had to make a really difficult decision, and um, we all are in support of that decision um, for the sake of him and his family. And so for this reason, we're not keeping him from you. Uh, Like Eric said, you'll get the letter from him in the coming uh, next few days or week, um, and then you'll also be able to see him and hear from him on October 2nd and be together with him, see him in the flesh, you know, and uh, and he'll lead us in communion, and that will just be a really wonderful day. Um, I, I'm i really grateful for you all and for, like, walking through all of this with us, and I'm really excited for you to be able to to be with him in a couple of weeks. So I have, like, three sort of pastoral words that are just things that I felt the Spirit saying to our church this week and wanted to offer them to you, sort of to close. Um, And the first is that it's okay to be sad, and it's okay to grieve. And not just okay, but like it's good and right. Um, We grieve the things that we've loved. And um, to grieve means that we have loved Matthew and that we have loved his work that he has done here for the Lord. And so... um, Grieving's hard. I'm that kind of person where when I initially hear bad news, it's really hard for me to like process it and move into an immediate state of grief. Um, I was, had the gift of being with him to hear this news, which like really helps with the processing. And if that's you, I really hope you can be here in a couple weeks when he comes to preach because seeing him in the flesh will help, like, move you into that place where you can actually process and grieve and also say thank you to him and, um, and be with him, you know, in the way that we ought to as, as Christians. Um, I also know that many of us have been a part of churches where this sort of thing is not done well. And, you know, you may be feeling that sort of maybe old wounds coming up for you in this, Um, remembering things maybe from a long time ago of of things that happened at your church that are reasons maybe why it was hard to come back to church even for you. And I just want to say to you as your pastor that you have been in my heart specifically this week and that I am praying for you and I am praying like mightily and humbly for you and for um, the next season of you in the life of this church because that is not easy and to continue to like trust and come here and be a part of what God is doing here it takes a lot of work for those of us who have been a part of things that were untrustworthy and so I just want to say thank you and um, and I will be continuing to pray for you um, secondly and I talked about this a couple weeks ago when we talked about the parable of the lost sheep um, It's really easy in situations like this when a lead pastor decides to to leave a church um, to feel like we are the lost sheep that that person should be coming after or that the rest of the staff should sort of like be coming after. Um, There is that like, what about me tendency that we have. And I say that because I am the chief among them. Um, What about me is like what you should put on my tombstone. Um, (laughs) Hopefully not. Hopefully by the time I die, that will be an old story. But I know that's my tendency, and that can be a lot of our tendencies, especially in hard places like this. Um, and what I want to say to you emphatically is that we are not the lost sheep in this situation for Matthew. It was his family. And he, like Jesus, went to the right place and found the right, the right sheep and went after them and is continuing to do that uh, very faithfully and humbly. And so um, for the rest of us, what I do want to say, the 99, you know, all of us here, is that we have a job to do together then, um, together as the people who are in this church, is to come together in ways that we can and love one another and not let space sort of create create space for uh, resentment and bitterness, which it so often can do. Um, we pull away from each other and we start to feel that, like, questions and distrust and that creates even more space for those things. And so what I'm asking you just as a person who goes to this church is to let the Lord work through the people here um, in relationship with you, to speak peace to you, to speak truth to you. We're going to have the members, some members of our vestry here at the end of the service that you can come and talk to. Uh, we have our emails on the website. You can even email up the vestry if you'd like and talk to any one of them. Um, we are open we want to say what we can to you and fill you in in any way that, that we can. Also, for some of us, frankly, words will never be enough. There's just a lot going on in our hearts that we can't answer for, that it's just too, too nuanced for. Um, but we're going to do our best, and we just ask you to come, like, with us, come close to us, um, come alongside us. And, um, and we will walk through this together. And lastly... Um, We are still the church, and Jesus is still Jesus. All of that is true. While this is an incredibly difficult thing we're going through as a church, it's not a failure. It's a hard thing, but it's not a failure. In fact, when we are weak, that is when we make space for the Lord to come and be strong. If you've been with us at all in this season, you know, you probably heard me say that multiple times. That's been the, the, like, refrain the Lord has been saying over... Um, over our church to me in my, my prayer time is that his power is made perfect in our weakness. And that is true in Matthew's life, and in my life, and in your life, and the life of this church, in the places where the, the, maybe the world would say, like, that institution is not holding up its end of the bargain. That institution is not doing what it's supposed to do. Isn't this this person's job? Why are they walking away from it? There's too much responsibility here. All of those things that the world would respond to, we get to say, like, that's not what the kingdom of God is like. What the kingdom of God is actually like is actually very different from that. It's sort of upside down from that. That when we make choices that maybe feel um, opposed to the ways of this world, the ways of achievement, um, those things are choices for the kingdom of God, for Jesus. And that is truly, in my heart, what I believe is happening here. Rowan Williams, who is an Anglican bishop and author, who I love very much, so if you're interested in Anglican theology, you should pick up a book of his. But he says in his book, Tokens of Trust, that Jesus is a man for all seasons. And um, I think if there's, like, anything that I love about Jesus, like, the very most, it's that, that, um, that Jesus can move through anything with us and for us. And um, and I felt this week thinking a lot about this season that we're in is that um, Jesus is the man for this season and will lead us through this season. He is the man for this this church in this moment in time, and he's been so faithful already through this, the last few years and the last season that we've been through, um, but also in this this moment, he's going to continue to be faithful. This is his church, he is the cornerstone of this church, and so I'm confident in, in where he is taking us and that um, this is going to be a good thing. So, the scripture we read at the beginning of uh, this portion of the worship service, where Jesus says, no one has greater love than this, that we would lay our life down for our friends. That scripture has been sort of like running through my mind ever since hearing this news. And um, Matthew came to be with our staff on Wednesday, which was a really um, beautiful time. We got to pray for him, and that was like the thing that kept like bubbling up in me and praying for him, is that he is um, getting to like really truly live that out for the sake of his family, and that it's his joy to do that, and um, I was, I just have been thinking ever since then about the kind of person I would be if my dad had made that kind of decision for me, and um, not that I'm a horrible person or that Jesus hasn't done a lot of healing in me. All of those, well, the, the second is true. <clears throat> but that, like, what a story that they get to have now. And that the beautiful thing about how the spirit works is that he doesn't have to be your dad for you to be loved by this, this story. That actually the choices that we get to make in our own life, they get to be choices that are lived out in the church and that the spirit can spread out that kind of love and healing to all of us. Of a dad making a choice for his family, it was really hard, um, but a really good choice. Micah said this week that Matthew is um, trading a good story for a great story. And, um, and I can't say it any better than that. And so I thought that was a, a good way to conclude. Um, I also think that similarly in the way of the Spirit, that God is, is um, trading out for us a good story for a great story because that's what he's doing for Matthew and his family and he's leading all of us there. Um, and so I'm just, I'm so grateful to him for that and for um, the season that we'll be leading into, uh, us all into as a church um, by the Spirit of God, the one who knows the way and is here to heal us and lead us and guide us. And, um, amen.